If you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. Inclusive teams are more productive and innovative. Diversity is a key ingredient to a successful team. The more diverse the team is, the better it can understand and serve its customers. Hi everybody, it's Samantha and Kara, and we're back with another episode that you don't want to miss on the Deeper Than Tech podcast, where we talk about how to grow your career in an industry that was not designed with us in mind. We'll be diving deep into this topic, but before we do, if you're loving this podcast so far, make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. They say that tech has a diversity problem. What exactly is the problem? Um, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the problem is a lack of listening, a lack of urgency. And I think in some regards, you know, it has to do with the folks in the room, right? Either that means that the folks in the room are really cool with the status quo or that means that there aren't enough folks in the room, right? Or, you know, they're not being let in the room kind of thing, right? Either that means, yeah. So I just feel like those are mainly the kinds of issues that are going on in the tech industry. There's a lot of presumptions around what people can and can't do, like who's professional and what merit is, who are like the best people to do really complicated kinds of things. And yeah, I think that that's kind of like why we are at where we are at in the tech industry right now. Threw out a lot of keywords there. Merit, not listening, all the keywords. And I actually never heard that definition of the diversity problem. I actually want to dive into that a little bit. What do you mean people are not listening? So I think that a lot of times in the tech industry, you have staff that are like, hey, this created harm, you know, whatever it may be, or like we should approach some kind of solution a certain way, or these interactions or these products are going to have really detrimental effects in these communities, either the communities I'm a part of or the communities I associate with, right? And companies either creating very like performative lip service to or not listening at all to what might help either like make folks feel more safe at a company or want to feel represented at a company. And I feel like those all have a root of just like not being listened to. So I think a lot of times for companies, the result might look like hiring more folks in leadership that have different lived experiences than generally like white male dominated kind of leadership, cis white male, no, I feel like all of those dominant narratives, right, end up getting trickled down into the products that we build or the ways that we think about technology. So having different lived experiences in leadership and also in the places where those kinds of decisions on executing products get made. So that's either like from the engineering perspective in our design teams, you know, in our product engagement kind of groups, like at all of those levels, like hearing folks lived experiences as lived truths and are like 
really important to understand not only for that product, but also for the dynamic of that person existing in that company, right? Like, and not just being the only person living with that lived experience in that company, right? You know, a lot of times in a lot of companies, like there are folks that are the only one, whether that be like the only one from their race or from their nationality or from their sexuality or from, you know, any given, you know, demographic, it's going to, you know, really limit a company's ability to understand how they can continue to thrive and build whatever the thing is that they're building, right? If they're not at a core listening to the folks that have that kind of lived experience. I think they're listening. <laughs> they just don't want to like comprehend it or yeah, do they, anything about it. Want... I, I think that's really important, right? Like I think the first step is the listening part. And the second part is the doing part, right? Like we can't just hear it and it just go in in the ear and out the other or just like ignore it, which I think is just a reflection of our society as a whole, right? Like just like trying to ignore a problem. Eventually, I feel like eventually that comes back to bite you and listening at that point or acting at that point is going to be too late. Because then it's going to be reactive. They're listening. <laughs> they used to want to mess with the status quo. But that's just my opinion. But yeah, it is going to bite them in the butt. Because I remember hearing this about this product. It was run by cis males. And the product was actually being used mostly by females. And they weren't like using that data to like kind of adapt their leadership to kind of adapt to their user base. I thought it was, I can't remember the story, but that was like, you gotta listen, you gotta make some changes. How can companies make their workforce more diverse? There's like a lot of ways to do that. And I think we've probably seen like quite a bit of companies, especially coming out of like the 2020 racial reckoning in the United States and, you know, coming out doing commitment statements and things like that. And, you know, that's a valid because that goes from the like, oh, we listened to that and now we have to say something, right? Like, but after saying something or like, if you're going to say something, you got to be about it, not just talk about it. And I think the ways to do that are really spending time to do the work. And I feel like that feels very like vague, you know, the process of doing work. But some of the work that we did at TXI was diving into our staff's understanding of even what DEIB is. So like defining terms about what diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging mean in general, and also like within our company, defining how we were going to like live in that truth of saying that we want to hear our staff and teach our staff to be better to each other. And knowing that all of those things are going to come out as like resulting in better products in the work that we do as a tech company, but really committing. So either that's committing by allowing staff to have the hours to do that work and not just assuming that that's going to happen after work hours. So like really putting money down to committing to that. Also making sure that leadership is taking the time to do that work and not just uh, pawning it off to the, like the BIPOC staff at your company. Like it can't just be the folks that are taking the brunt of that stress and emotional labor. It has to be emotional labor that all the staff do, especially the white folks at the company, right? Spending time understanding yourself and your identities and how those intersect, taking time to engage with that and understanding where that comes out in your work and making changes 
from that. I think that is pretty much what, what I've seen us do at TXI from, you know, starting to have our DEIB team have like dedicated hours to do work bring and have engaging community. So like, for example, I'm our community engagement chair at TXI. So like actually engaging with our community and not just like throwing money an organization and being like, okay, we're done. We like donated to an organization, you know, no, you need to create relationship with community so that you're not just like hearing and performing, you're actually creating relationships and knowing that all this learning process is going to feel difficult because it feels unlearning. The process of unlearning is difficult and takes time, but you like understanding those steps and being okay with that is really how you get to real success. I like the community engagement part. Like it's super important to keep constantly doing the work. Just donating money is not gonna cut it. They also say that, I guess recruiting, but like we can't find diverse people. We're having trouble finding it. That's, is so annoying that like the phrase of like, oh, but there's no one. And it's just really frustrating in the tech industry that you don't like Afrotech just happened this year. And there's also the national black, like association of engineers, like huge, enormous organizations with folks for decades done so much work, at least in that or engineering organization. I don't know how many years Afrotech has happened, but you know, they're not brand new, right? Like they've been doing work. I remember going to a conference that was put on Juneteenth a few years ago for like folks in tech, like black folks in tech around Juneteenth. And It was just like so beautiful to see all the, you know, black excellence all over the place, right? And just like the idea that we're not out here is just really unfortunate. And in addition to that, like thinking that you can't hire folks that can continue to grow with your company is doing a disservice to your company and to that community, right? Like you can't become a staff a, you know, principal level engineer without experience, you know, bringing folks on to be able to continue their professional experience with you in hiring junior and mid-level folks is imperative. Like when you stop trying to poach all these like principal, like very select amount of visible black principal engineers from one company to another, as if they're the only ones that exist. <laughs> yeah. So like looking at diversified tech, as a resource, I think uh, is really great. And you know, at TXI, we've been doing a lot of work to be really intentional about the sources that we look to for our opening jobs and things like that. So that we're not just, you know, sitting with that like sentence of like, oh, nobody wants to, or there aren't enough people. Cause we know our people are out there. We are out here. It's just sometimes we are just so comfortable at our job because we know it's a safe space for us now. It's like the devil you know, right? Yeah, I think that that's a really important thing. I think even for recruiters to understand, like I don't think it's good for us to be like poaching people, but I don't think it's bad for people to expose 
the opportunities. Like, I think it's still useful for me to know these are the different companies that are out there. This is how they roll, right? Like, it's gonna be a long game for somebody to take me away from the current setup that I have, the current relationship that I've built with the folks that I work with. You know, I already know how people are, right? I know the ways that we are continuing to build our culture. And so there's a lot of context knowledge that I have, yeah, that has created a level of safe space for me. And, you know, for a lot of, I'm sure that's very resonating. I'm hoping y'all let us know, like that feels very resonating to me. So understanding that in your strategy for like how you want to hire more black folks, I think is really important, but I think should also go like, it should be without needing to be said that like, there are still, even with that, a lot of folks that could still be hired (laughs) outside of that. Like there's still an abundance of us. Yeah, what can they do to make the hiring process more inclusive? I think it's important for people to understand that like as much as we want to make the process seem like it's going to be like bereft of like somebody's identity and trying to like evaluate people and not at all from like their identity. My point is being like you as an interviewer, you as a recruiter, you as whatever, Like your identity is also going to exist in that process, right? Like just be aware of that. Don't presume that you're like colorblind and that's not, you know, your experience of like how an interview process goes should be similar to how anybody's interview process is going to go. Like make sure you understand where folks are going to be coming from and how BIPOC folks experience your interview process. Continue to get that feedback. If you need to have like folks from the shared live experience do that, like hire somebody, hire black folks to evaluate your interview process or get feedback from folks that are going through that candidate process with you, that's important and make changes, right? Making a lot of, I think this is in general, like making inclusive recruitment process includes communicating a lot about what's going to happen, what expectations there are, as much about the culture that you can provide as a company and also giving folks space to connect with either staff or other ways that they can get information about like what the culture is like for the folks that are in shared experience with that candidate is going to be really important. So I would say really try and do that. Continue to evaluate what kind of ways you're like consuming information. Always check yourself when it comes to the way you might be showing up when you're reading resumes or things. So I know we use a buzz term unconscious bias quite a bit and just think like, oh, I don't have unconscious bias or everyone has, you know, unconscious bias, but, you know, create points of inquiry for yourself right? Like I read this resume. These are the things that came up for me as I read them. Like, did I make assumptions about this person? Did something come up about, you know, how I think they might or might not be prepared to do this job? Can someone else validate that? You know, making sure you have multiple people from different experiences reading through stuff so that you can understand where your biases might be coming into play at any stage of the interview process and being real with yourself about that. So I think those are really important pieces of making sure that you are not inadvertently creating a not inclusive environment and being transparent about that internally 
internally or externally, I think are really good signs for folks to know that they're going to be evaluated in a way that recognizes their identities that they're bringing to the table and that can continue to open them up for vulnerability in a good way so that they know that they're being evaluated. And then at that point, after we have those kinds of structures in place, can we even start to talk about merit? Because right now we're using merit as a presumption of everybody being like fair and equal. And that's not the society we live in. Can you elaborate on merit again? Yeah. So I think the concept of merit, it makes presumptions about what accomplishment or something that's happened that's solely based on the effort that was put into it. You know, so for example, like somebody doing one year of experience is the same as another person doing one year of experience. But if you're two entirely different, you know, various lived identities that one lives with multiple kinds of different intersectionalities of oppression. So like my year of experience and accomplishment is going to come across with a lot more questions around, you know, how much of this work that I do or like who else helped with this or, you know, there's just like a lot more that comes into play that we can't just presume those two things are going to be exactly the same without considering folks lived experiences and how those dynamics exist in the world that we live in. Thank you for defining that because I think the most inclusive thing that my job has done when it comes to hiring is we have this code your own adventure where they gave you three options of how you wanted to come into the interview. The first option was a take home assignment. The second option was to come and do a pair programming, like the typical algorithm, sit there for 45 minutes. And the last option was just bring in a project that you worked on. We could go over it and we looked at it. It was definitely more work on the company's end to like to allow these three options, but it was, it was a nice thing to have. Like I cannot sit there for 45 minutes yeah. next to a stranger who I have never met and try to type fast. I'm a slow typer. So like that would make me feel uncomfortable. That's just anxiety inducing to some people. Yeah. And when I was interviewing at companies, I, I couldn't get a job. Like I'm a great coder. I've been coding for six years now. Like I could not get a job because of the environment that I was put in. But if you're being more inclusive and giving people more options of how they want to show up for the interview, it's way, I don't know. It's for me, it's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's good to be inclusive. I, that's a really good idea that I hadn't thought about. I'm going to take that to my team. You know, being able to speak from experience about the code that you've already written, being able to communicate like why you made certain decisions. I think that's a really big sign of, you know, senior level work that, you know, for some folks, you know, having to go back and do basic algorithmic level stuff that you haven't done in such a long time because you've been in the industry can really trip folks up. And it also like might not be the best way to showcase my skills that other people might think that, you know what, like that is a really great way for me to showcase my skills. So I, I really appreciate that the idea. I will say we don't do it anymore, which kind of makes me sad. We only do the take home test, which I think is a good balance of like giving people space to do their own thing as well as having that technical challenge that companies need to see that can you code. So I think that was a good balance, but you know, we'll see. It's resources are, are slim sometimes. 
Yeah. We ended up updating our process to be such that you take a very tiny, like we give you a very tiny take home test that sets you up for a pairing session that you add features to pairing alongside some engineers like on our team. And it's literally supposed to be like, we're working on it together so that we can get to know how it is going to be for us to work together. And I think those are moments like we were saying around understanding diversity and green flags and asking how the culture really is good opportunity to see like you know like am i as like a a black queer engineer being seen and respected with my peer or even with the the candidate i think to me is always a good way to consider like how's it going to be to be working with this person or like for the candidate to evaluate like you know is the culture at this company such that black female developers are seen as like expertise right with expertise Man, there was so many juicy tidbits in this episode. How can we solve the diversity problem? Thank you so much, Kara, for coming on the show. Till next time. Bye. Bye.